Oh, Joe, the NFL giveth and it taketh away. So many injuries this week. So many injuries this week. I literally cannot recall another week where I've seen so many players come down. And not just so many players, so many big name players. I mean, rushing leaders, defensive players of the years. It was carnage, Charles. The fantasy football world is reeling right now. They're holding memorials around the globe. The fantasy football world is in mourning. I mean, so many teams' hopes and futures have been destroyed. I mean, we've got one guy who's in our league who had uh, C-Mac, Barkley and Akers. So, I mean, he's had the guts ripped out of his team. Let's just go through it. I think the team that was probably most impacted, arguably, were the San Francisco 49ers. Definitively, I would say. The San Francisco 49ers lost their starting quarterback. They lost their starting running back. They lost the Defensive Player of the Year in Nick Bosa. They lost another key piece of their defensive line in Solomon Thomas. They previously lost Tevin Coleman. These are players who are not just good at what they do. This is the heart and soul of that team. The San Francisco 49ers last year were built on a devastating pass rush and then rushing the ball. They've lost their pass rushers. They've lost their running back. I mean, wow. I don't even know what that team is anymore. Like... They still smash the Jets, but it seems that it's pretty easy to smash the Jets. It's going to be incredibly interesting to see them come up against opposition this week and see what state that team is in because there are so many, so many holes that we've got to patch up now. I would not want to be Shanahan. I mean, let's look at another few teams that have been heavily impacted. You've got the Broncos who lost their starting quarterback. I mean, that's my prediction straight out of the window of Drew Locke. He was one of what? Was it three starting quarterbacks who we lost this weekend? Yeah, I think it was. That's, I mean, that's unseemly. That's a lot. So it was Garoppolo, Drew Locke and Tyra Taylor were all out. Yeah, although the Tyrod Taylor one was a bit of an odd one, wasn't it? Just a chest injury before the game. It was strange. Like he had a rib injury on the uh, injury report leading into the game. But he seemed to be suiting up and ready to play. It said a chest injury. I'm not sure if that's referring to the rib still or whether he was having actual chest pains. It was a little bit kind of hard to gauge what was actually going on there. But, you know, clearly Herbert started and we'll come on to Herbert later. But I think he took his chance pretty well. Running backs, I think, across the board. I mean, we lost some big name running backs. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Raheem Moster, like we said. Cam Akers, who's basically the starter of the Rams now. David Montgomery injured his neck. He came back. But I mean, the biggest running back names across the league in Barkley and C-Mac. These are faces of franchises and they're down for the season. And then I think a lot of defensive players as well that's going to hurt quite a few teams. You know, some really key players. Yeah, so the Vikings lost Anthony Barr. And I mean, that's a big loss. He's a defensive leader. I think he's a captain for the team. I mean, Barr is Barr is a pivotal piece of that D. The Vikings D, for whatever reason, either through trades, through free agency, lost six starters from last year, and he was one of the holdovers from last year. So to lose a senior vet like that, Vikings already have a lot of problems on that side of the ball, and this is just going to make things even worse. I mean, you also lost safety Malik Hooker to an Achilles at the Colts which is a big loss for them. Like, I mean, you know, that's another vet player. If it makes you feel any better, Joe, we can talk about some Green Bay injuries, if that'll help lighten the mood. Might not lighten the mood too much. You've got him in fantasy, but Devontae Adams was injured. Devontae Adams, yeah, with a hammy. I mean, just going through the wide receivers who were injured. Adams, again, 
I know there's Rodgers at Green Bay, but after Rodgers, he's probably the face of a franchise. Paris Campbell, watching that game live, that was an ugly knee injury. I'm pretty sure that's a season end of air. I think he's on IR, but this isn't coming back in three weeks. This is coming back in 2021. Rashid Perryman, he went down. So many injuries. And you know what? In lots of forums, on lots of Facebook pages, people are blaming there being no preseason. But I don't even buy that. I genuinely think that a lot of these injuries which is pure bad luck. You look at the Paris Campbell one, for example. You can have as much preseason as you want. But if Harrison Smith tackles you and unfortunately his helmet goes into your knee, preseason isn't going to help you there. That was a contact injury there and it's one of those things. And a lot of these injuries that happened were one of those things. It's an anomaly, I think, that so many have happened in one week. But I think that most of these injuries you just can't account for. They have just happened. Yeah, absolutely. They're not conditioning injuries. No, no, no. And they're not non-contact uh, injuries either. They're contact injuries. Football's a dangerous sport. These things happen. It's just a lot of these things happened in one week. It just is what it is. Yeah. So, with that in mind, shall we hop straight into the uh, first games? <laughs> yeah, hop on one knee, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so... First game, Thursday night, we've got the Dolphins at the Jaguars. How do you have this one, Charles? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to have to eat a bit of humble pie here because I, I flipped on my opinion of the Raiders last week uh, and I picked them to beat the Saints and they're, they're a team that's performing. And I think I've got to do the same on the Jaguars. You know, I had them down as this terrible team that was going to come bottom of the conference and they've beaten the Colts and they missed out on the titans by a field goal Minshew is performing sensationally well like he's just so efficient at the moment their running game's good they're working well defensively as a unit so i think for me it's going to be somewhere between a score and a field goal and two scores so i think i'll back it and i I think jags by two scores that's quite a big score there you're going with Look, the Jags have exceeded expectations at the start of the season here. When you first said that the Jags were going to be the bottom team, after they started to jettison all their vet players, I was a little bit jealous of your predo there because I thought, hey, actually, Chaz might be onto something here. Having said that, I mean, the intangibles that Minshew brings, I think, have really shone through. I think his leadership for only a second-year player is top draw, and he's really getting that team to play around him. There just seems to be an infectious quality to their play and enthusiasm. It's hard to kind of nail down kind of what it is really, but but they're a young side and they're really making a go of it. Like, I mean, to take the Titans that close, they beat the Colts who, you know, we fancied prior to the season starting. They're 1-1 against two, you know, potentially playoff sides. So they're doing very well. That said, though, I still think that fundamentally the way that you reviewed this team at the start of the season is correct. Aside from a few kind of key players, Minshew, Chark, there isn't an awful lot there. The Dolphins are 0-2, but I don't think the Dolphins have played atrociously. They've put together some good phases of play, and it's normally just a quarter a quarter or two that's missing in each game. I definitely don't think the Jaguars are going to win by two scores. I'm going to go Dolphins. I don't have much to support that. I think that if you look at what the Jags have done up to now, you'd say the Jags. I'm going Dolphins, I'm going Dolphins by three. I just have a feeling that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I'd agree with your summation in that I don't think the Dolphins are a terrible team and they've shown flashes of good football. But, you know, I look at what the Jags have done and how efficient they've been. And unless that efficiency drops dramatically for some reason, I can't see them losing this one. But maybe I'm being a bit bold with a two score claim, but there we go. 
Dolphins didn't get turned over by the Patriots. This Patriots side is a good Patriots side, right? I think you may have said last week that we'll see what the Patriots are really about when they play the Seahawks. And I mean, the Patriots took the Seahawks all the way. The Patriots only beat the Dolphins by 10 in the opener, you know, blown off dust. Last week, the Dolphins got beaten by the Bills by three points. At one stage, it looked like they were dead and buried, but they came back. They came back and they came back strong. Right, so on to our second game then. We've got the Bears and the Falcons. Joe, before we touch on this, we we have to discuss that Falcons-Giants game. I'm going to start this one off, right? I know that the listeners of this podcast are varied in their experience of the game and how much they know about the rules of American football. If you've been watching this sport for more than six months, you know that when there's an onside kick, the kicking team cannot touch the ball for 10 yards. The receiving team can touch the ball when they want. What were the Falcons players doing just watching that ball crawl over the line? There were three or four players around that ball who didn't know what the rules were. It was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like Dan Quinn said after the game that they practice onside kicks pretty regularly, right? What are they practicing? What is the special teams coach (laughs) doing in practice if he's not letting the receiving side touch the ball until it goes 10 yards? They literally did not know the rules. I find it hard to comprehend how much of a choke job that was by the Falcons. I think it was you who came out with a stat earlier in the week that uh, in 440 games where a team has scored 39 points and had zero turnovers, every single one of those teams had won up to this point. (laughs) That was my brother, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Two things to point out. So you got your predo bang on for this you said it was going to be combined over 60 you had the cowboys by a kick you've nailed that to the door i mean it was one point but that's as close as you're going to get it i feel hard done by the fact that i had pipped the falcons to cause an upset here because they had caused the upset but then they go and put on a backup quarterback in the third quarter the arrogance is outstanding man this Falcon side, it just astonishes me how they find ways to lose. With that said, though, for my prediction this week, I'm going Falcons, and I'm going Falcons by two scores. I think that the Bears have no right to be standing at 2-0. I genuinely do not rate this Bears side whatsoever. I think they've played at their absolute ceiling, and, you know, beating the Lions is nothing to write home about. I think that this is going to be a bounce-back game for the Falcons, as a team, they played badly, but some of their better players, like Julio Jones last week, were really off the boil. Jones dropped the catch in the end zone, which you never see him doing. Falcons to come back, Falcons to win by two scores. I think the Falcons will also win. Like you, can't understand how the Bears keep pulling this off. But, you know, the Bears somehow do. So I've only got the Falcons by a single score. Fair enough, mate. Next game, Rams at the Bills. I'm really excited for this game. I mean, these are two teams that are doing quite well in an understated way, I'd say. So I think this is going to be super close. Obviously, we've discussed the Rams have lost Acres, which I think is a big loss for them. It's, I suppose, whether anyone can step in and fill that gap. That being said, I still think that the Rams have probably going to edge this by a score. Yeah, I think edge is the key word there. I have this game down really as a coin toss game. I'm really finding it hard to visualise how this game is going to end up. On one hand, I've got an image of it being a defensive game with both teams scoring less than 20 points. On the other hand, I could see something flipping and it turning into a shootout. It could be either one of those games. 
I think either way it goes, I think you've got two good teams here. And both of these teams really have to win games like this if they're going to make playoffs. The Rams, you know, arguably in the hardest division in the league, the NFC West, they're in there with the Cardinals and Seahawks. And all three of those teams are 2-0. and And then you've got the 49ers in there who are 1-1. and Like, I mean, that is a division which is hard. Bills have still got to contend with a Patriots side who are looking very good. So, you know, both of these teams have to win games like this. I'm with you, Charles. I'm going Rams. And I'm going Rams by three points. But I really see this as a coin toss game. I can see this going either way. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. I think the thing that helped me decide for the Rams over the Bills was as impressive as Josh Allen was against the Dolphins, we do have to remember it was the Dolphins. And I think that he's going to be put under a lot more pressure by the Rams. And we know that Allen has accuracy issues and I just wonder whether that starts to creep out a bit more against a really solid defensive team like the Rams. I would imagine that in this game we're going to see Josh Allen throwing the ball a lot less. I think that he's going to have to come out of the pocket and when he comes out of pocket he likes to have a bit of a run. Aaron Donald will be coming through the middle all through that game and he'll be trying to collapse that line so Josh Allen will spill out, run out of the pocket and he'll probably be making a lot of little runs himself throwing the ball less. Let's see, 50-50, but just edging it for the Rams. But it will be a good game. And so then we've got Washington football team versus the Browns. Wow, what an exciting game this will be. Well, you know what, Charles? The Browns played probably the best they've played in the last 20 games last Thursday night against the Bengals. I, I know that's not really saying much, but you saw probably peak Mayfield last Thursday night. Washington are a side who are a little bit like the Jags in that they're playing better than a lot of people had been pegged down for. And that's being led by their D-line. Their D-line is looking ferocious. It's stacked with first-round picks. They're not an atrocious team. I think that Ron Riviera has done what fans of Ron would think he would do, and he's installed installed a fighting culture there, and he's brought some decency back to the team. I think Washington are going to win this. Well, this is what I mean when I say this is going to be an exciting game in that I actually think Washington do have good defensive pressure. And I think if there's any quarterback that you wouldn't want to put in that situation, it's Baker Mayfield. I think the two teams are almost going to nullify each other. And I'm going for the Browns, but I think by a field goal. Okay, I'm going to go Washington by seven. Wow, that's a bold call. Uh, Yeah, and I don't think the bookies support me on this one. I mean, No, I think they're way off. What is the spread on this? The spread on this game is seven points to, to the Browns. Oh, is it only seven? I thought it would be more. No. We'll come on to what game has the biggest spread later. So I'm certainly going against the spread, and I think that I think that the Washington football team are just going to put the Browns' O-line under just too much pressure. Okay, so the next game, Titans at Vikings. Uh, I... I think I'm going to have to back the Titans on this and I think it's just because you guys have have lost a lot of bodies and the defence, well, I say the defence isn't clicking. The offence was really struggling last week but I think the Colts' defence had a lot to do with that. You know, we talked about how good we thought that they were going into this and they didn't really demonstrate that in week one but boy, did they bring it hard this week. They were all over Cousins, you know, tipping his passes, rushing him. They just caused him massive, massive issues. That being said, I think defensively there were some struggles there as well. And I think the Titans edged this by a field goal. Okay, so uh, 
I find this very hard to talk about, to be honest. When you see a team play like they have the last two weeks, it's been an absolute car crash. I think one of the good things about UK fans and UK Facebook groups is that for UK fans who have an understanding of the game, the insight you get on fan pages is slightly more thought out than you do on some of the emotive American pages. I mean, you go on like the official US Vikings Twitter or Facebook and just everyone's just shouting rubbish like cousins out, Zimmer out. And they don't really know what they're talking about and they don't even understand how contracts work because that's just not how it's going to happen. With that said... The Vikings stink right now. They play terrible against the Colts, and in all my time of being a Vikings fan, I can't recall a game where I've seen them play worse. I would definitely say that of the 32 teams who played in game week two, the Vikings played the worst. They played worse than the Jets. They played worse than everybody. Ouch. Yeah. And probably the worst unit for the Vikings right now, I'm going to say, is their D-line. So it must be their strength, because the D-line just cannot stop the run whatsoever. Every time teams run on the Vikings, they're making seven, eight yards. Every time. They just can't stop the run. But that was so surprising for me because I thought they did a good job of that in week one against Green Bay. They held Jones down quite a bit. I think that's more kind of game planning. I think that Rodgers was having so much fun throwing the ball through the air, just slicing up the cornerbacks that they thought, well, just might as well just keep on doing that. So they didn't need to rely on a run at all. Vikings can't stop the run, and because the D-line can't stop the run, it means that the linebackers are being sucked into the box. The box is then being loaded up, which is daring quarterbacks to throw, and you don't need to dare quarterbacks to throw against the Vikings, because the secondary, aside from the safeties, the cornerbacks are so new, they're rookies, or they're failures of first-rounders like Mike Hughes, that they're just not able to stop players one-on-one. This suits the Titans perfectly. The Titans are going to have Derek Henry just plowing through the middle, and... Henry's going to have a field day. Henry's going to plough through the middle. He's going to cut the Vikings open. And when the Vikings do commit all their linebackers, when they put, you know, Wilson Kendricks in the middle to try and stop Henry, then, you know, if AJ Brown's playing, he'll get points. If it's Corey Davis, he'll get points. This game is just set up for the Titans to destroy the Vikings here. And the concerning thing as well is, you know, following the Vikings, what they say, following their Twitter... They don't really seem to have addressed how bad this is or just say, oh, you know, we've got to play better. But they don't seem to have answers. With the players and personnel that we've got right now, we just don't have the answers. Titans by 14 points. Wow, okay. That hurts me to say it, man. That hurts me to say it. All right, then. Let's move on. (laughs) Let's not linger, yeah. (laughs) Let's put you out of your misery and jump to the Raiders-Patriots game. I think this is going to be a really interesting one. Where do you have it? You know what? I said last week that the Falcons-Cowboys game was going over 60 points. This game goes over 60 points. I think this is going to be a fun game. It's going to be high scoring. I can see a shootout which the Patriots will win. Ultimately, they're going to win by, say, 10 points. But I can see both sides putting up scores here. Yeah, I mean, I've completely changed my opinion of the Raiders. I've, you know, had to hold my hands up on this. I think they're legitimately a good team. So wait, so you're going from there being a really bad team? No, I didn't say they're a really bad team. Uh... I think, uh, no, pre-season, I said they were an overhyped team. Yeah, I think maybe the hype's real. Didn't you have them as your bad in the good, the bad and the sneaky? Yeah, but I specifically called out, I don't think they're a bad team. I'm putting them in the bad category because I think they're overhyped. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen. But you're moving on to saying that you think they're a good team. 
Yeah, I think I have to admit it. I don't think I can hide from it any longer. I think they're good. My guess of what they would be was wrong. And they're they're good. They're decent this season. That being said, I still think the Patriots are performing incredibly well, given the losses that they had at the beginning of the season. And I think Patriots win it. Everything I'm guessing this week is by a field goal, but I think they'll win it by a field goal. Last week I went mad and I thought everyone was going to win by two scores. Now I think everyone's going to win by a field goal. Yeah, last week all your prelos were cricket scores, so you've uh, kind of gone totally the other way now. Um, okay then, so you have it by a field goal, I've got it by 10. Look, the Patriots, we said, you never write off the Patriots. Doesn't matter if it's Brady, doesn't matter who it is, don't write off the Patriots. You're an idiot if you write off the Patriots. The Patriots are looking good and they've, you know, duked it out all the way with the Seahawks. They're a good side, they will be in playoffs. Let's move on. Next game. One team that we thought would be very good this year, who are currently sitting 1-1 one one with massive injury concerns, like we mentioned, the 49ers. They're playing at MetLife Stadium, New York Giants. Where do you have this one, Charles? We discussed the tremendous loss that the 49ers suffered this week in terms of personnel. I still think that they've got enough to take on the Giants, especially because, as we mentioned, the Giants lost Saquon. But I think the 49ers probably still put two scores past the Giants here I just think without Barkley I can't see where the scores are coming from from the Giants and I think even though the 49ers have lost some key personnel they've still got Jarrett McKinnon who can run the ball they'll find a way to put the Giants in their rear view mirror it's an interesting way to look at it. Jerick McKinnon, like you mentioned there, not a lot of people talk about this, but Jerick McKinnon, when he went through Combine, I think is basically one of the most athletic players to ever go through a draft process. His speed, the amount he benched was just off the charts. Jerick McKinnon is the real deal. And he would have been a key part of the 49ers Super Bowl run last year had he not been injured. It was only because he got injured that they had to bring in Moster to... Um, take his place he's now probably back where you know some would say he probably should be as the number one running back for the 49ers put him out to one side though the way this game goes San Francisco have lost like I said the heart and soul of their team there with Nick Bosa Nick Bosa is the man they've lost Solomon Thomas as well on that D-line this game is going to open up more and with an open game where offenses are scoring I think this could be a statement a signature game from Daniel Jones to show what he's all about. He will be looking at this as an opportunity now. He's not going to have Nick Bosa running down his gun every single play. He's going to have a bit of green room. This is a chance for him. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think that the Giants are going to win by three. I think this is going to be quite a low-scoring game, personally. It'll be interesting to see which way this turns out. So the over-under is 41, which is quite low. It's actually the lowest over-under of all the games. Yeah, because I'm thinking about that, trying to think if I'd take the under or not, because that is incredibly low for an over-under. That is a very low under. I think you'd have to be brave to take the under on that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, so maybe if I'm saying my bet of the week, I'm going the over in the 49ers-Giants game. But no, I think that points will be scored here. And like I said, I think this could be a signature game for Jones. It'd be good to see, because I like Jones. And I think, you know, the Giants have had some rough luck. So Spread is only four points. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the bookies are really taking into account the losses that the 49ers have suffered from their first team. Let's see how it plays out. 
So on to the Bengals and the Eagles. And let's talk about the Bengals very briefly. Burrow looks like the real deal, does he not? I really think that Burrow is the real deal. I've watched both the games that he's played now. I think he's composed. I think that, you know, when you look at the volume of passing that he had, he threw the ball 61 times last Thursday. 61 times. A rookie has never thrown the ball 61 times. And he looked like he should be doing that. He looked like you could trust him throwing the ball 61 times. He's picked up the playbook really fast there. This Bengals side is still trash, right? The line that he's playing behind is a massive worry for me because I think that this has got disaster written all over it that they're putting a player with his talent and his potential behind that line. It's criminal. There's a chance that they ruin him, which is really sad. But you couldn't ask for more than what he's been doing in those last two games. He's been playing really well. Yeah, and I think he cut out a lot of the stuff that in week one that I just thought he was doing a few of those, you know, offload passes when he was in trouble and it was leading to issues. He cut that right out of this game. And, you know, as you mentioned, he still faced pressure behind that line, but he just seemed so much more composed in this game. And I think we both called this one um, Browns to win by score, which it was. It was close. He took it all the way. I had Bengals by score. Oh, did you have Bengals by score? Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. There was one play right in the game last Thursday where I'm not sure who the receiver was, but the receiver was probably about 25 yards down the right sideline. Double coverage over and under. There was the tiniest, tiniest window for Burrow to put that ball in. It was a pass really that most quarterbacks wouldn't attempt. It's the kind of pass that Rodgers has made a career on doing, and Burrows nailed it. He nailed it perfectly. It was an elite, an elite level pass, and that's what he's doing in his second game. Joe Burrow is the real deal. I really like him. I think this Eagles side are trash. I mean, you look at their first two games, getting beaten by 10 points by Washington. I know we said some nice things about Washington earlier, but they're still not a top draw side, right? They're still not a team really that has any business thinking they're going to get a winning record this season. Eagles got spanked by the Rams, which is not even the same ballpark. I'm going Bengals by three. Yeah, I think the Eagles look terrible this season terrible, I, they are terrible, just terrible. falling apart and I can't believe more people aren't asking questions of Wentz I don't know how you can look at these last two game weeks and not start asking if Wentz is the quarterback that you want to press forward with well we had a big debate about this prior to the season starting an offline conversation and I've been banging the drum for a while but I do not rate Wentz I think he's an overrated quarterback he's a quarterback who up until this season has been playing behind a top five O-line every single year. Every single year, he's had Hall of Fame players in front of him, protecting him, giving him all the time that he needs. And even still, after all of that, it took Nick Foles to then take the reins and drag them through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl win. I don't rate Wentz. I don't rate this Eagles side. Like I said, Bengals by a score. And that's a trash Bengals side too. That's not an indictment of them being good. That's just how bad the Eagles are. Yeah, I've got Bengals by a score as well. And I think you make a really good point about the Bengals O-line and that being an issue for Burrow and his protection. I also, though, think we're seeing that it's a massive issue for the Bengals run game. I mean, you look at Mixon and they are just not creating the space or the gaps for him to be able to do anything effective. Mixon isn't even getting to the line of scrimmage because by the time he's got the ball, he's got the D-line on him. That's how bad it is. It's atrocious. The Bengals O-line is probably the worst in football right now. I can't think of a worse one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like the Vikings have a terrible line, but I'll take theirs over the Bengals every day of the week. 
Final thing to say on the Bengals, CJ Uzma, what a shame there. Another player oh, who's yeah. a victim of week two. Because it happened on the Thursday night, people seem to have forgotten all about that. But he was having a career day last Thursday, had a touchdown, was playing great, and then had a really bad knee injury out for the season. Gives Drew Simple a chance, but I mean, you know, big shame there. CJ Uzma, he's a victim that, you know, is not really getting much said about him, but terrible for him to leave that game. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next game, Texans at the Steelers, Heinz Field, 6 o'clock Sunday. Where do you have this one, Charles? I like the Steelers a lot for this. I think it was quite interesting last week because I don't know whether Big Ben was having a bit of an off day or what was happening, but the Steelers didn't come out as hot as I thought they would off the back of their really impressive first game. Well, I'd say they came out really hot. looked like they had the game tied up against the Broncos. And then they just seem to just go really, really cold, really, really quickly. Even when they had a backup quarterback come in. Exactly. So the Steelers took a lead. They took a lead, looked like they were, you know, going to easily win the game. Then the Broncos lost Drew Locke, had uh, Driscoll come in, and then suddenly there was still a game kind of going on. The Steelers should have had this wrapped up. And that's probably the only criticism I've got of the Steelers over the first two games. They should have wrapped this game up against the Broncos much earlier. But they allowed Driscoll and the Broncos to basically stay in for way longer than they should have. Everyone's worried about COVID this season. Steelers are catching a case of the Falcon syndrome. They want to get that cured as soon as possible because that is something you do not want to have. It's not just a cough, it gives you a choke. (laughs) (laughs) So the Texans have lost Will Fuller and that was not a particularly deep wide receiver core to begin with. I just think that their line is leaky as hell. I think Steelers win this by two scores. I'm going to disagree with you slightly on Will Fuller there because I think that I made the comment a few weeks ago that the Texans have a wide receiving room of wide receiver twos. And so, yeah, they've lost Will Fuller. But I mean, look, they've still got Brandon Cooks. They've still got Kiki Kutu. They've still got Randall Cobb. I don't think Fuller is the issue here. Texans have played two potential Super Bowl teams in their first two games. They've played... Kansas City Chiefs have played Baltimore Ravens. Regardless, I don't rate this Texans team. I think that their D-line... The D-line is built basically for trying to rush the passer and it's not a run-stopping D-line. They made Edwards Hilaire look like Barry Sanders in week one and from week two, he's not that. Steelers win this by seven points. They'll choke a little bit, but they'll build up a lead and let the Texans back in, but the Steelers will still have enough to win. So then, moving straight on to the Jets and the Colts. Do we really want to waste time talking about this? Or shall we just say, <laughs> shall we just say the Colts by three scores and move on? Uh, I mean, this is my cricket score predo coming back out again. I have the Colts by three scores exactly. <laughs> I've got a Colts by 21. The spread on this is 10.5, which is the biggest of the week. We said last week that we thought the spreads were a little bit off. I think this game should probably be the biggest spread. I know I've tried to say some nice things about the Jets over the last couple of weeks, but I mean. And look how they've repaid you, Joe. Until I see something different, I'm not going to say any more nice things about the Jets. Colts by three. <laughs> no more nice things for you. <laughs> no, no more nice things for you because you can't play them nicely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's move on then. We've got the Panthers and the Chargers. I mean, the Panthers. Interesting game. It is an interesting game, actually, because I think these two teams are quite evenly matched. I thought the Panthers would do better than they did against the Bucks. I thought that after seeing the Bucks really struggle against the Saints and seeing the Panthers go head to head with the Raiders, I thought the Panthers would bring more to this game and, and they were found wanting. And now 
McCaffrey's out on top of that. Ugh, I just don't think it's going to look great for them. But saying that, the Chargers are not particularly brilliant. But I'm going to disagree. I'm going to butt in here, Jazz. Go on then. I think that the Chargers, after how they played last week, you know, they went the distance with the Chiefs. And on both sides of the ball there. I mean, Herbert, in his first game, he looked assured. He made one really dumb mistake, which ultimately probably cost him a game in the long run. Yeah. Where he had made a first down. He had basically made a first down. And rather than, than taking the first down and just moving the chains, he tried to do a pass that he had no right in trying to do through an interception. Stupid rookie, stupid thing to do. Dumb, 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 dumb. Well, Herbert is my butt. Because I think they looked so much better as a team when he was on the field compared to when Tarab was on it. And you looked at how they performed against the Bengals in week one and it was just not a particularly stellar performance. But with Herbert on the field, they looked a lot better. Can they replicate that? I've got here, I've got charges to win by, do you want to guess by what, Joe? I'm going to guess you're going to say by three, Charles. By, by three, exactly. That's what I've got them down as. <laughs> <laughs> but I will caveat that. That is if Herbert starts and Tarod doesn't find his way back onto the team. Fair enough. I'm going to say that I think Herbert will start. I think after he played last week, they're going to want to maybe see him for another game. So maybe even if Tyrod is kind of, kind of maybe ready to go back, they won't rush him back. They'll say that the chest injury is still there. They'll go with Herbert for another week. Now, this Panther side, I think what we're seeing here is Teddy Bridgewater is not anywhere near a top half starting caliber quarterback. The game he played against the Buccaneers was atrocious and it was exasperated by the C-Mac injury. When C-Mac's playing, teams almost have to stack the box against him, which gives Bridgewater, you know, one-on-ones. They don't have to stay honest anymore. The Chargers can basically leave Boza and the offensive line by themselves there to just rush Bridgewater and stop the run. They don't really have to invest too many linebackers or secondary help in that line. That means that they can do double coverage across the field, make Bridgewater's life really hard, like the Buccaneers did. And the Buccaneers had, what, I think three interceptions against him on a Sunday night? I think the Chargers win this by two scores. I'm like you, kind of like last week now. I'm thinking everything's by about two scores. Charges by two scores, and then everyone's on the Herbert bandwagon this time next week. (laughs) Yeah, I think they will be, but there we go. Right, moving on then to the Lions at the Cardinals. What do you have there? I think think this one's another one a little bit like the Jets game. Shall we just say that the Cardinals are going to win by two scores and move on? Yeah, that's exactly where I've got it. Let's do it. (laughs) Cardinals by two, until the Lions show us something different. I don't even want to talk about you. I do have one question for you then. Yeah. Kenyon Drake, what are your thoughts around him? Because obviously we started off uh, the season and we had a discussion about Jones versus Drake. Drake's not seeing a lot of the ball at the moment. I thought last week actually would be a week that was set up quite well for him because I thought the Cardinals would go ahead and I thought they'd give it to Drake to run out the game. He saw some garbage time minutes, but what are your thoughts around that? Do you think that that is a view of how they're going to use Drake going forwards and not a lot or do you think that will change as the season progresses I'm really relaxed about this there's a lot of people who are whinging about Drake's usage but at the end of the day the Cardinals are a 2-0 side 
you've got these kind of people who just live in fantasy world and have no grasp of the real world at all. The real world is winning football games, and that's what matters. The Cardinals are 2-0, and the way that they've played the last two weeks has meant that they're 2-0. They've played against teams who can score, so they've been pass first. They've been rotating Chase Edmonds in as well. Chase hasn't been you know, really doing that much, so I don't really see him as a threat to Drake's workload at all. Look, the Cardinals are fine. They're a winning team. When teams realise that they've a real deal and try to make Kyler Murray's life as hard as possible and try to account for Kyler Murray more, because Kyler Murray right now I think is playing like Jackson did over the first two games of last season. He has been very good in how he's been running with the ball. When teams try to adjust for that, Drake will get a lot more totes. I can see Drake actually scoring a lot of points in this Lions game. Here's a pre though, Drake to get two touchdowns plus in the game against the Lions. Nice prediction, I like it. Then the next afternoon game on Sunday is the Buccaneers at the Broncos. The Broncos were bad to begin with, and now they've lost Locke. They've got no Sutton. They've Sutton, I think, is probably a bigger loss there. That's a huge loss. Yeah, so I just can't see beyond the Bucks, to be honest. I think they performed a lot better this week than they did in week one. Brady seemed a little bit sharper. I still don't think they've ironed everything out, but against a team like the Broncos, I don't think you particularly need to. So I think the Bucks by two scores. I think you've wrapped it up perfectly there, Charles. Agree with you. I think the Buccaneers played better. Do I think that the Buccaneers are the hype team that people were saying they were towards the start of the season? No, I still don't think that at all. I still think the Buccaneers are probably an 8-8 side. But an 8-8 side is good enough to beat this Broncos side right now. Yeah, I think that two scores is pretty fair. Cool. Moving on rapidly through them. We're on to the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Really interesting one, this one. Cowboys 1-1, one one, but after an undeserved victory against the Falcons last week, everyone seems to be on America's team, and there's a lot of hype around them now. Cowboys were 0-1 going into Week 2. They should have come out of Week 2 0-2. They should have lost that game. Oh, 100%. But it's so arrogant and disrespectful of the Falcons to wheel out their backup quarterback in the third quarter. If that doesn't happen... That's when they all started dropping all their points and things went downhill. You keep Matty Ice on the pitch for that whole period, and I think it's a different story. You teach players the rules of a game, and that's a different story. Well, that as well. There's so many chances for the Falcons to have had won that game. The Cowboys spiritually and ethically are an 0-2 team. I don't care if they're 1-1, they're spiritually an 0-2 team. Playing against the Seahawks team, who are very much a 2-0 team. I think the Seahawks will control this game. It's that CenturyLink field, all right, the crowd's not there. But look, Seahawks by 10. Yeah, I've got Seahawks by two scores. I think I'm being completely won over by your discussion uh, in previous weeks about the efficiency of the Seahawks. You're completely right in that they are no longer that kind of big, booming defensive team that just did smash plays and won games that way. But they are winning games quietly and efficiently and ruthlessly, to be honest. And I think that against a Cowboys team that is still struggling massively defensively, I think the Seahawks will win by two scores. Here's a little fact for you to kind of just reinforce that kind of efficiency that I was talking about. On Sunday night's game... Russell Wilson threw five touchdown passes to five different receivers. Everyone on that team is pulling their weight and making a difference. They're not going to have problems against this Cowboys team. I said Seahawks by 10. Yeah, and then we go into the early Monday morning game. Packers against Saints. I I don't know. I should be buzzing because here's the thing. Shout out to myself here. 
They said it couldn't be done. They said I was crazy. Packers by three scores, Jones to have a game. You were spot on there. You gave me my credit earlier on, but three scores, yeah. Raise my hands there, Charles. Well done. <laughs> it seems I only know what I'm talking about with football when it comes to the Packers, unfortunately. <laughs> that being said, I'm nervous about this game. Both teams are missing their number one wide receiver. I don't know if Devontae Adams is going to play through this hamstring injury he has or not. And we don't know if Michael Thomas is going to return. But either way, they're both slightly hampered. The thing that makes me the most nervous is where we've lost players in the line. So we lost Corey Lindsay last week with a hand injury. He didn't return to the game. I don't know if he comes back this week. We already lost Lane Taylor to the knee tear at the beginning of the season. Billy Turner was on the active roster as an emergency lineman in week two. And for a team that I would argue did have one of the league's deepest defensive lines, that's looking really thin now all of a sudden. And we're going to need that line as fit and healthy as it can be to basically have Jones carry us on his back if Adams is out. So how do you have it then? It's heart versus head. And I think if I'm going head, I've got Saints by a score. What is really interesting here is how these two teams, they've definitely made me look wrong with a couple of predos I had at the start. If you had said to me that the Saints and Green Bay, one of those teams is going to lose their number one wide receiver, who is it going to affect the most? And I talked up Thomas Loads. I'd said that Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league, but we also mocked Green Bay incessantly for not drafting wide receivers when Devante Adams was the only option in town. Yeah. And so if you had said to me that number 17, Devante Adams, is going to leave a game, I'd say, well, that's the end of Green Bay. Instead, look at what we had last week. Adams goes out. Green Bay still put up, what, 42 points? Yeah. Michael Thomas is out of the Saints game. And I mean, it's the worst that Drew Brees has looked for a long time. Really didn't look good at all. There were some concerning signs there for the Saints when... Thomas isn't there when Brees doesn't have that option when Thomas isn't sucking in double coverage and still making catches I'm going to go Green Bay and I'm going to go Green Bay by a score nice I think it's going to be a close game and hopefully an interesting game it's going to be really interesting I just don't know where this one's going yeah. Saints could play like we would expect the Saints to play I mean Michael Thomas could be back there was a small glimmer of hope that Michael Thomas was coming back for week two mm. So if Michael Thomas is back, it's a different story. But then again, Devante Adams, he's not on IR, is he? So Devante Adams could come back as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a hamstring injury. And, you know, Julio Jones played through that this week. Obviously, massive dip in his performance, but who knows? The spread is free to the Saints. I think that on week two performances, I think that's not justified. I'm going to be very tired on Tuesday. Let's put it that way. Well, I'm going to be very tired for the rest of next week because I'm definitely going to be watching a Thursday game. I'm definitely going to be watching that Green Bay Packers game against Saints on a Sunday night. But then I think you'd be a mug to not stay up for the late game on Monday. Clash of the Titans, baby. Absolute clash of the Titans. Chiefs against Ravens. Oh, man. I think this is going to be super close. Do you know what? I'm going to back my boys, the Ravens. I think the Ravens will do it. But I think this is going to be really, really close. Listen. Mahomes had an off day against the Chargers. I don't think he'll repeat that. I think they're going to come hard against the Ravens. I think it's going to be a shootout or at least a high scoring game. I don't know if the Ravens will favour the run over the air game, but I'll even go Ravens by a score, I think. Okay, Giles, I'm going to go the other way of you, but for the reasons you've said there, 
I think that the Chiefs had the worst performance they will put in all season last week. I think the fact they went to overtime with a Chargers team with a rookie quarterback playing his first game, I think there'll be a lot of disappointed Chiefs players there. I just don't see the Chiefs as a team playing that badly again. And I mean, it wasn't just Mahomes. There were quite a few Chiefs who just weren't up to the standard that they normally play. Of course, they still managed to get the win. I think that they're going to want to rectify things this week. I think they're going to be putting in a big game. I think this is going to be another high-scoring game. I think there's going to be a shootout galore. I don't see players like CEH making many inroads on this Ravens line. I'm staying strong on what I said about him and this Ravens line are going to back him up again. Well, listen, I was warming that humble pie up that you offered to eat if he went on and, and had a performance, but you called it certainly for last week. I'm going to call it again for this week as well. He's not going to be a big factor. I think that the Ravens are going to be pretty comfortable against him. And if there are rushing touchdowns, they'll come from players like Sherman, who are going to be plowing over from one yard. This is going to be a shootout and the Chiefs are going to win it by 10 points. Right. So that brings us to the end of our look forward to the next games. We had a stinker for the fantasy. I mean, it wasn't our fault. The guy got a bruised bone the day that we released the podcast. The news came in that AJ Brown was dealing with an injury and may not play. And it got confirmed a couple of hours later. So the AJ Brown predo kind of went out the window. I had Dobbins as my backup. He didn't really do much. He only had two carries. But what I will say, two carries, 48 yards. I mean, I'm sure that he wouldn't get a 24-yard per touch average with higher volume. But I think he was showing flashes of a potential that I thought he would do had he had the ball more. Yeah, he certainly looks like a proficient runner. So maybe this is... The... And that Houston D is just trash against a runner. Yeah, I know. I thought he'd do better than he did. Well, like you said, he didn't do badly. He just didn't get the touches. So let's see how that develops over the season. So who do you have for this week then outside of the top 10 ADP? I think I'll go first this week because I don't like being accused of copying other people's homework. I've got two players that I think have the potential and both the first week and the second week, I went for wide receivers. I think maybe it's the week of the running back this week. Yep. I really like, well, Jonathan Taylor had a tremendous performance for the Colts. However, I do think that was, as we've mentioned, against a particularly weak line of the Vikings. That being said, they are playing the Jets. And the other running back that I quite like is James Robinson for the Jags. And I know we spoke about the Jags before and you thought that, yeah, okay, outside of Chark, that there's not really a lot there. But I think Robinson had an absolute game and they're playing, as we've discussed, the Dolphins. So I think both of them have an opportunity there. But for me, I'm going to go for James Robinson. I mean, week two against the Titans, who aren't a joke of a team. And this is a team they lost to as well. So it wasn't like they were in the lead trying to run down the clock all game. He had 102 rushing yards and a touchdown and three receptions. So I think he's a member of the team that they like to use a lot. And I think against the Dolphins, he'll have quite a bit of opportunity to prove himself again. Okay. I'm going to go running back as well, mate. I'm going to go a different running back to you, though. My fantasy selection for the week is Melvin Gordon III. Oh, I like that pick. Melvin Gordon III. Now, the Broncos are going into this week's game without their starting quarterback. They're going in there without their wide receiver one. They are going to be a team that will probably not want to throw the ball too much, probably can't throw the ball too much. But they're going to have a running back there who I 
believe Philip Lindsay is injured. So he's going to be taking all the carries. He'll also be the pressure valve for the backup quarterback. I think that if someone is getting volume this week, it's Melvin Gordon the third. It's a great shout. What do you think about the opponents that he's playing, though? Because it's all very well and good having volume, but if you're going to struggle to get the yardage... True. I would say, though, when you're going to get the amount of volume, which I believe Melvin Gordon will probably get, it almost doesn't matter against the opponent. I think he's going to get so many touches. I'm going to say now that I believe he'll probably be one of the touch leaders for week three. Against the Buccaneers, I mean, look, if the Buccaneers play at their ceiling then, yeah, the game could be taken away from the Broncos. I think that the place where the Broncos are strongest, though, is still on the defensive side of a ball, even with Von Miller being out. I mean, Bradley Chubb is still a great player. There's other good players in that D. So assuming that the Broncos can, you know, not let it get away from them too quickly, I think Melvin Gordon will be a factor all through this game. Well, there you have it, folks. That is week two done and dusted. Moving on to week three, let's pray for fewer injuries. I mean, who'd have thought that injury would be a bigger risk to the NFL season than COVID? Just stay safe, guys. Stay safe. Watch those knees. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, everyone. See you next week.